want to be empowered with the Holy Spirit? Are you in need of an uplifting message? It's time for today's Uplift, encouraging words and biblical truths to help you find freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Chad, you know what? Two weeks ago, it was me and Robert. Last week, it was you and Robert. Tonight, it's you and me. Yeah. We got a pattern going on here. We all had a week off. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So maybe next week we'll all be back together. But hey, you know what? That's okay. I, I think we will. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that we will. And I'm not letting Robert back in until he cleans my pool. <laughs> by the way the grass looks great <laughs> i thought you i thought you'd get a kick out of that yeah yeah that was, that i hope people i hope people understand that that was humor i'm sure they do oh i'm sure they do yeah yeah what we, yeah. What we were talking about last week but but here I, I, i'll kick in the funds to buy robert a plane ticket to come up okay so he, so he can clean your pool Okay. <laughs> but you you might be the last guy in St. Clairsville or Belmont County with his pool still open, though. Yeah, it's because I have to get a new winter cover and I haven't bought one yet. Oh, um, okay. But, yeah, I'm certainly not going into it anymore. It's just, it's too cold now. I mean, the yeah. pool itself is cold. It's kind of warm yesterday, but, you know, the pool is just way too cold to get into now. And, it, and it's dirty. I need to clean it before I close it up. Yeah, you just got to turn the heater up, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh. Well, so tonight we're going to, we have a topic that uh, I'd forgotten about that I'd, I'd mentioned earlier this week that I completely forgot about. So thankfully, Phil's on his game. Hmm. Phil, Phil reminded me of this, but even though Robert's not here, I'm, I'm sure Robert would have a lot of commentary about this as well, which by the way, he did a great job last week. Yes, he did. It was really and, good. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. He, of course, he loves parables and he's a great teacher. Yeah. Yeah, he is. So, um, well, both of you are, but yeah, he, he loves his parables. Tonight, we're going to talk about dwelling in the secret place and what it is and how to do it. So I'm going to read. This is from uh, the Biblical Foundation, thebiblicalfoundation.com. And mm -hmm. I, I'm really not even sure. We were texting back and forth earlier this week about some things, and I I just don't even remember how this came up, honestly. But this was really good. And uh, it, I think it's important for whatever is coming before us in our world, whether it be great things, not great things, or both all at the same time. Uh, it's, it's titled Dwelling in the Secret Place, What It Is and How to Do It. And it reads, I'm just going to read the kind of the first part of this article. And if anybody's interested, again, it's called thebiblicalfoundation.com. And then you can find it on there. Mm -hmm. It says... Uh, if we want to develop a vibrant relationship with the Lord, then we need to learn to dwell in the secret place of God. The Father is always with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. If we really believe this, then we need to act accordingly. The Bible is filled with mentions of the secret place. We are constantly being exhorted to pray without ceasing, which is in 1 Thessalonians 5. And give thanks for everything, which is also in the, it's that's first Thessalonians 5:18. The, the prior one was 5:17. Uh, 
and to pray in secret, which is Matthew 6, 6. Mm -hmm. The problem lies not in us understanding the command, but our knowledge of what it is and how to do it. In this article, we will be covering everything you need to know about dwelling in the secret place. So the first question is, what is the secret place of God? And the answer is, the secret place is simply a life of continual fellowship with the Father without the need to be seen by others as spiritual. Mm -hmm. And then the next piece, uh, the next question and answer is, what does it mean to dwell in the secret place? And their answer was, to dwell in the secret place means to live in a place of continually drawing near to the Father through communion. It is a place where you talk to him in the morning, at night, and throughout the day without the motivation of being recognized by people, only the pure desire to know him. And then the, uh, the last piece here is how can one dwell in the secret place of God? And the answers were, Read the word daily, spend time in secret prayer, and speak in tongues often. And then the one Those last tongues. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I would yes, I agree with you. It should say pray yeah. in tongues often, not yeah. speak in tongues necessarily. Right. And then it said all the lastly, it said make daily tasks triggers to pray. Mm-hmm. So I think that's all pretty straightforward, but there's that that pray or speak or pray in tongues often. Mm -hmm. That might be a new thing for a lot of people. Right, right, certainly. But, um, well, let's talk about this. So as one who never went to church as a child, um, but knew who God was, God was talking to me as a child, my dad was constantly teaching me about the Lord as a child. When I really started to walk with God, I felt like I was already behind the eight ball. You know, I was years behind because I didn't go to church as a child. This is just my thought. Uh, it turns out I had a huge identity crisis, but um, I know that now because I can look back on it. But um, anyway, I would try to let others know hey, I, I, you know, I'm going to church. Uh, I would say, I'll pray for you. But I wouldn't really pray for them, you know. And um, then I started reading the Bible, and I didn't really think about this. I read the Bible, like, at lunchtime in my office. I would sit in the, the little break room, and I would read the Bible. It wasn't because I wanted people to see me reading it. It's because that was really the only place to go. And then I went out to my car, and I would read it. And... Um, my boss asked me, did somebody say something to you? It's like, no, I just kind of wanted to be a little bit quieter and it was summer. Right. Right. Uh, but anyway, long story short, I, I did um, try to let people know because here, what it was doing was making me feel better about myself. Cause like I said, I had this huge identity crisis. I didn't know who I was in, in, in the Lord. And as I started to grow closer to him, I started to realize, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that. It was, it was God telling me, you don't need to tell people. And I remember turning to Matthew 6 one time and saying, oh, that's me. 
I need to, and that's where I really started to to work with the Lord and say, look, help me. And it took time, but I eventually got to the place where I don't need, I don't feel the need to tell people that I'm spiritual. I live my life so they see that I am. And hopefully they want to be like me because I want to be like Jesus. And I want them to be like Jesus too. You know what I mean? But I uh, yeah, Matthew 6 is the one I often think of when I talk about the secret place. Because And then there's three things that he mentions in there. And um, a lot of times we we don't really like to talk about a couple of them. Um, one of them is fasting, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but he, you know, he says, and people can take this and turn it into something that it's not too. And I'm not going to do that, but they can turn this into, well, these are the three requirements. What about the 10 commandments? What about the other 629 commandments? What about love one another? You know, why are these the three, you know? So, uh, just be careful as with anything, don't turn it into a, a doctrine that, a doctrine of men, but really the, tools, tools in the toolbox. They're tools in the toolbox. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Tools in the toolbox. Yeah. To really bottom line this though, we could say, you know, life with God is not as hard as we make it. It's not as hard as we think. It's not as hard as others would have us believe a life with God and dwelling in a secret place it's probably one of the easiest things you'll ever do in this life. Mm-hmm. You simply talk to the Lord as he's your friend, you know, get religion out of it. That's, that's one thing I had to do is get religion out of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's funny because people say, well, what do you mean get religion? Isn't that what Christianity is? Well, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. Mm-hmm. It's a relationship with Christ, not, a set of rules. So even, you know, talking about the secret place, we got to be careful not to turn it into a set of rules, which a lot of people do, you know, Mm. Hey, here's the three things, pray fast and give. Mm. Those are important, but they're not a hard and fast set of rules. They're tools in the toolbox. Like you said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that there's a, you know, when we talk about the secret place, you know, the secret place, like you mentioned, that can be your car, that can be your desk, uh, that can be, you know, walking on the bike trail, which <laughs> that that's Absolutely. very, very much for me. You know, it's wherever you are and in whatever, you know, as long as you're in prayer and it doesn't have to be out loud necessarily, it, you know, that's your secret place. It's just you know, it's you and God alone. And, um, you know, I, I, like we've talked about before, I know I've, I've, I've followed Phil and I've, I've passed Phil on the interstate and I know what he's doing in his truck. <laughs> now, sometimes, sometimes he's reciting, you know, his grocery list to Siri, or maybe sometimes he's talking to Tanya or one of his kids, but I, yeah, I know yeah. there's also a lot of times he's, he, he fills in a secret place or one of his secret places talking to God. I know it. Yeah, but um, you know that that's important. To remember, and I I think one thing is for the longest time I lived my Christian life uh, on Sunday morning for about forty five minutes, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people do that. You know, they're they've compartmentalized their Christian life to whatever happens 
between the hours of or the you know that hour window on Sunday morning when they walk in the church and then when they walk out that's that's it it's it's like a light switch on on at 10:45 mm-hmm. and off at 12 noon or whatever um and, and I used to do that for a long time mm-hmm. and then through the through the week it, you know whatever happened happened through the week um you know and and gosh if something really terrible happened I'd say well you know god please make it go away or you know yeah no, no. And I think a lot of Christians do that. And and I think that what all this culminates to is to say, you know, God saying, no, no, no. Uh, Tuesday morning at 5.45 a.m., talk to me. Uh, Wednesday at 12 noon, talk to me. And every time in between. So, you know, there's been the last couple of years for me has been a very new experience because, you know, when you know at different times of the day or like when i'm driving home from work the, the radio gets turned off and god gets turned on mm-hmm. and you know there's a lot of me talking and me just quietly listening and there's also worshiping and all that sort of thing that goes on and uh you know that's one of my secret places and yeah. And then the other thing too, again, is praying in tongues. Mm-hmm. And I learned a lot about that because I used to think that that was really weird. Like mm-hmm. if I would, I if I would see or, or, or hear somebody on a sermon, um, you know, speaking in, in tongues or praying in tongues, I was like, well, that's really weird. We're Methodist, you know, we're, <laughs> we're, we're both, that never happens in a Methodist church. I, I've, I've not, I've never seen or experienced that ever in a Methodist church ever. And um, not to say that it doesn't happen, but I, I've never seen it or experienced it in, in all the years that I went. Well, you know, one thing about it, I learned from like Derek Prince and uh, you know, Derek Prince is, you know, if if you've never watched Derek Prince, he's a very scholarly, grandfatherly kind of guy. You know, he's Cambridge educated, um, and, and you know, he's you know British and everything. And he just he'll stand there during a sermon and he'll pray in tongue, and it's like whoa. Well, it's no big deal. And and then like Teresa Hotelling in her book, The Unhealed Believer, you know, she said she she said the thing that helps her with anything that she's trying to um, kind of any issues in her life she's working on with the Lord, you know, she basically, you know, prays about it, meditates about it, and then prays in tongue. So she'll read the scripture over the situation that she feels led or feels appropriate. She, she concentrates or meditates on it with God and she prays in the tongue about it. And she said, you know, in her experience, that's never failed to give her some sort of insight or knowledge or wisdom from God about whatever situation. And I thought that was very powerful. So she, yeah, so more or less, she just summed it up about going to your secret place and praying. Right. Well, here's the thing that I think is so crucial to this. God, God made many promises, but one of the promises that really helped me a lot, and 
and I think it can help others, is Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. God will be found. Mm -hmm. And the problem I had was I thought, well, I don't know how to seek him. So I was trying to be spiritual, show myself as spiritual, thinking maybe that is how God will be honored and he'll come find me. No, it's not that. It's making the commitment, making a choice. We make choices every day. Mm-hmm. Making a choice to say, God, even if you have to say, I don't know how, but I want to. When you really, really want to engage God, he will be found. And mm-hmm. he then will lead you into how to pray, what to read, how to pray in tongues. He'll lead you in all of these things mm-hmm. because that's what he does. Mm-hmm. When I, I, I have a friend in, who may be watching, and I'm not going to mention any names, nor say male or female. I'm not going to narrow it down at all because it could apply to many friends who used to say, I did this, I did this, I did this, you know, checked all the boxes. And why isn't God doing anything? And I simply said, because you're doing it. Mm. Not God. Mm-hmm. You're going to God saying, I'm doing this. So this, give me this in return. No, go to God and say, here's what's going on with me. Here's my problem. Here's my issue. Here's my concern. Here's my question, whatever. And let God be be found by you. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in a society that, you know, we have rubrics, you know, for classes. If you do these things, you'll get an A. You do these things, you'll get a B. Mm-hmm. We tell the kids how to get the grades. And that turns into a society that's check, 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 check all the boxes. And now where's God? God is not a vending machine. He does not want to be treated like a vending machine. Push A4, get a Snickers. No, that's not the way it works. So if you really, really, truly want to know God more, then go to the secret place. And what's that mean? Just open yourself up and say to God, you can say, you can say things that you think might make him mad. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, I haven't been to church for a while, or, you know, I haven't done this, or I said this bad word, or I did this. Th-. He already knows. Yeah, he knows. He wants you to do that because that frees you. Confession frees you mm-hmm. from that. And mm-hmm. to, to God, not to another human being though you know the bible does say confess your sins and and go before the elders of the church and the prayer of faith will be heal you james chapter five but what i mean is the the secret confessions the secret time with god the secret and not well i prayed for 10 minutes today i'm going to try 20 tomorrow that's not secret all right or, you know we're several of us are reading through the Bible right now in our church. And man, that's fantastic too. What's going on there. That's not so much secret, but at the same time, we're not out go out and saying, Oh, well, you know, I read, I'm like five ahead today or I'm six behind or, you know, we're not doing that. So we're still keeping it secret, but 
you can do more too. Mm -hmm. Or if you get behind, okay, tell God. Don't have to tell us. If you get mm -hmm. ahead, great. Tell God. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's, I wish I could just open up everybody's head and just dump in the knowledge that God has given me over the years. But it really came down to, I truly had to seek him with all my heart, put him first, really want to know him. And I found him and then I didn't want to let go. Mm -hmm. And he's not letting go of me. Right. And every day I try to get, to give him more. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, and it's a matter of where is your heart? Where is your heart in this? You know, like if, if, if and you know, it's like if you're the Pharisees and, and if you're, you're, you know, you're praying, you know, and you're, you're doing it to be seen. So other people know that you're following the rules you're off base. You're doing the wrong thing. You're not on the path. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you, your relationship with God uh, is, you know, praise and prayer and, and conversational. And that's the way it should be. And it's individual, not that it can't be shared with your family and friends and whatever, but your relationship with God is one-on-one -on -one for each one of us. Each one of our relationships look different, but the key is that we have it, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And, and the things that Phil talks to God about and the things that I talk to God about, they might be similar, but they're different. And because we're each going through different things, you know, different situations in life. We each have different strongholds that we battle. We each have different thorns that we, that, you know, drive us crazy everybody has got their own thing and that's God wants us to take those to him and, and work with him and he'll speak to us each individually in our own language. Yeah. And then at times we come together and we share this stuff, you know, Phil and I have a great, you know, friendship, a great relationship. We share with each other all the time. God's telling me this, I'm hearing that, you know, I'm struggling with this, whatever. And that's great. But the bottom line is think about this. If we each didn't have our own really have our own relationship with God and our own conversations with God, we'd have nothing to talk about. <laughs> we'd just go to each other and be like, "Oh, Phil, pray for me," and Phil would come to me and say, "Oh, pray for me," and, yeah, but yeah. but without but without any effect because we would just be doing religion. Yeah, you know. I'm glad you brought that up because the two things that you said actually, your heart and sharing with one another because you know somebody could turn this into oh well maybe i shouldn't share with my friends then if he's saying do it all in secret no that's not what we're saying when when i share things with you like before we started recording i shared a couple of things with you um results of a an answered prayer and a dream i had i didn't share those things to make you see how religious i am i shared those because we have fellowship with one another and I share it with the right heart, knowing that I'm trying to encourage you. Mm -hmm. And and it it's it's just it's such a it is a praise for God too. So my heart is with God in it. But if I were to come to you and say, Hey, guess what God told me? And you know, my heart is just not really trying to praise God. I'm trying to please you or make you like me. That's the wrong thing. That's right. not the secret place. So right. it's okay to share. Right. As long as the heart is engaged with God in your sharing. Mm -hmm. 
You know, yeah. years ago I bought a shirt. I think it was I was in Myrtle Beach, and it had a picture of Jesus, and it said, um, three wait three nails plus one cross equals four given." It's like three plus one equals four. But I remember thinking, yeah, I can wear this shirt. Then people will know that I'm a Christian. That's that's no good. If you're doing it just to, for people to know, then you're wasting your time. But if you're wearing it because you want to say, God, I really appreciate what you did for me. And that's why I'm wearing this shirt. Mm-hmm. He'll honor that. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. what happened to it. I think it got ripped or something, probably because my heart wasn't in the right place when I wore it. Right. But now if I wear one, I got one that says James 5.16. And I'm, I've yet to have anybody ask me what it means. Um, and it's the prayer of a righteous person availeth much. Mm-hmm. But I wear that not because I want someone to ask me, because when I look down and I see that, I think, God, you hear my prayers. Mm-hmm. You know? So... The heart is really important. So that was a very good point, Chad. Yeah. So you you don't wear the shirt to show off or, you know, to draw attention to yourself. You you wear it as a reminder. Exactly. Yeah. For yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why God told the um, the Hebrews to wear the seats on the corner of their garments to look down and remember the commandments, mm-hmm. not to be seen so that someone could say, oh, there's a Jew. Mm-hmm. That wasn't the point. It was so that they could, it was part of the relationship that he had with them prior to the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost, you know, and with Jesus's death. So, um, but they turned it into show. They put them not just on the four corners, they hung them on the shoulders, they hung them everywhere. Hey, look, I, you know, the more I have, the more holy I am. Mm-hmm. Jesus is like, I want nothing to do with that. I want your heart. Right. Well, I have a confession about something that happened today at work. Okay. So uh, there, there's, there's a, there's a, a man that works. He's he he's under me. He doesn't report directly to me, but he's a former church pastor. Okay. And uh, I, I'm sure you know who I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. And we were standing in the hallway talking about, you know, just general church stuff. And this morning, just for a few minutes, and um, there was a couple of other guys walking through, you know, just walking down the hallway and stuff. And and we were talking about some issues that we saw in the church and whatnot. And he looked at me and he said very boldly, because he's a pretty bold person, you know, he's not afraid to 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 say, you know, speak, you know, his mind and speak the truth. He looked at me and he said, "The problems that we have in the church." And he looked me in the eye and he says, because we don't spread the gospel. We don't speak the gospel. We don't live the gospel. We don't spread the gospel. And he looked at me and said that. And there were, you know, some of my coworkers and stuff walking up and down the hall as we were having this conversation, walking past us. I was like, wow. I was like, that is pretty bold. And I said, well, you're you're right. And then I I went to my secret place at lunch. Or no, not at lunch. Later, later in the morning. I was sitting there, I guess at my desk it was. I was sitting at my desk and I was like, wow, God. I was like, I feel uh, convicted or, you know, I feel like, man, like I, I feel like I haven't been doing that enough. Like with my coworkers and stuff, like not 
you know, uh, speaking the gospel to all these people. And, you know, I, I took that to God in my secret place. And God's like, if I ask you to do it, I'll let you know. And I was like, whoa. And it, and it was kind of like a thing where, like, you know, we're, we're not all necessarily all meant to just go and do everything. Exactly. Yes. You know, God, you know, he, and then he said to me, you know, he said, I will bring people to you that I choose at the right time. Absolutely. You know, it's not like, it's not like Jesus went out and set up a podium in the middle of the street and stood on it and just started yelling. (laughs) I mean, you know, he spoke in the synagogues and he was in public and stuff, but the people came to him. Yes. You know, the people came to him and, and and that was kind of like what God said to me. So, so my point in all this conversation is, you know, I, I felt condemned by something Mm -hmm. because I was like, man, I'm not doing this. Because I do think that the man who said that, I do absolutely think he's right. But he's not wrong, right? Right, he's right. But but I, I I took it to my secret place, which happened to me at my desk at work, and I sat and I prayed about it. And I thought I thought, man, I haven't been doing that here. And God, you know, spoke to me and said, you know, basically in essence, like just relax, you know. Mm-hmm. If I bring somebody to you, you'll know it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You're right. We're not all evangelists. Right. And um, this particular person may have a calling for being outspoken. Mm-hmm. And yes, we we do not do it enough. But at the same time, it's not you. You spread the gospel better by living it than right. speaking it. Right. In my opinion. Right. Yeah. And that's where maybe the conviction would come in greater is my, if you're not living it. Mm-hmm. But if you're getting convicted because you're not speaking it, then that's your calling is to speak it. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, if you're getting condemnation for not speaking it, that's not coming from God. Right. Right. That is not coming from the Holy Spirit. Right. So so when we encounter these things, take it to God. Absolutely. And and you'll 100%, know 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, and you'll you'll know yes. from that from your from your relationship with him and praying about it to him, you will know you know whether you did right or wrong and it, you know sometimes it's a mixture of both. Sometimes it's like, well, I brought a person to you and you didn't say this or you weren't obedient in that situation, whatever. But you'll know these things when you take it to him in your secret place. Absolutely. But when there is correction, there will be love with that correction. And mm -hmm. God does correct those he loves. Mm -hmm. He doesn't condemn those he loves. Yeah. He corrects, but he doesn't condemn. That's That's right. The condemnation is coming from the devil. Mm-hmm. Let's just call it out right now. Yeah. And rebuke it in Jesus' name. It's gone. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I think that there's a lot of people that keeps a lot of people out of church. Yeah. Absolutely. People, yeah. People feel condemned 
they've listened to the lies that the enemies told them that you didn't do this. You didn't do that. You weren't good enough. You were, you know, you, you sinned, you, you know, whatever people listen to the lies and that keeps people out of church and it keeps people out of relationship with God, whether or not they go to church or not, it keeps people from their relationship with God because they're just like, Oh, I'm not good enough. You know, I, I messed up, you know, the, God, God, you, there's, you can't mess up enough for God to not want you, you know, right. That's the, the number one thing in all this is we have to understand that nothing is greater than God's love for us. And you, no matter how much you sin, no matter what you did, God's love is better than ever, than all that. Or, you know, his love is for us is bigger than all that for everyone. So that's that's the first thing that you know. So if if anybody's watching this and they're you know, I can't I can't have that relationship with God because I've done this and this and this. Mm -hmm. No, no, you're forgiven. You know mm -hmm. that, that I, I there was a there was a um, there was a, a a teaching that there was a pastor named Dwayne Sheriff. He's got a really unique name. His name is Dwayne Sheriff, and he gave this awesome sermon and discussion at Karis Bible College about a month ago. I'm going to say. And he said, the whole thing was, you're forgiven. You know, and he, he just kept saying all these things, but I did this. And he's like, you're forgiven. But I did that. You're forgiven. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the thing that people need to realize. If there's something that you feel is preventing you from having a relationship with God and going to your secret place with God in your car and on your living room couch or in your whatever, wherever. Remember that that God loves you and you're forgiven. Absolutely. Period. Period. End of story. End That's of story. Right. You know, Chad, it, one thing God revealed to me a few years ago that, um, was problem of mine and he revealed it to me because he told me I was going to be seeing other people with this same problem and how to help them. And the best way I can compare it is if you roll around in the mud and then you try to walk, you know, you, I'm talking like thick mud and you're going to, it's going to be on your shoes. It's going to be in your hair, on your clothes. It's hard to walk isn't it? But man, when you get that mud off you and you get a shower and you feel clean and you feel like you're just walking on air at that point, right? Mm -hmm. So we, people, too many people in this world, Christian or not, walking around just covered in mud or covered in snow or just wearing too many clothes. I don't care how you look at it, whatever analogy you want to use. And what it is, is it's clouding your thinking. And it's, it could be from sin. It could be from a curse from someone else. It could be a generational curse. It could be many different things that cloud your judgment. Mm -hmm. And God can and will remove all of that. I was clouded with so many things, mm -hmm. generational curses and um, sins of my own and just many different things. I was just covered with mud. And I sought God out. And I found him. And then he was the one who cleansed, cleansed me. I didn't have to do it myself. I didn't have to make myself better for God to accept me. 
Yeah. I went to him filthy and he cleaned me off. Mm-hmm. When he did, I started to understand. So, you know, when we look at it, one another, we say, we don't see the mud. We don't see the cloudiness. We don't see that, but it's there with a lot of people. And God is the only one that can remove it. Mm-hmm. When you seek him out in that secret place. Mm-hmm. He starts to change your mind. Paul told us, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he said that because he wants us to let God renew our minds to change us. And when we get those things off of us, then we understand that there is no condemnation. You know, mm-hmm. those things you did, they are forgiven. Yep. And you start to not even think about them anymore. Mm-hmm. Not that it's okay then to just keep doing it. That's a whole different ball game for another different uplift. But it's it frees your mind. And when you have that freedom and you walk in that freedom and you unload those things, mm-hmm. you could be the next Billy Graham or the next Teresa Hotelling telling or or Derek Prince or maybe just the next Chad McLeish. Which is perfectly fine too. You know what I mean? They should at least set some sites for Phil or Robert. The world needs Chad McLeish. The world needs Phil Bliss. That's right. Needs everybody. Right. That's right. Go to your secret place. Yeah. Don't be yeah, don't don't no matter what you've done, no matter how bad it is, whatever, just go to your secret place with God. But there's one thing I do want to say, and, and I don't want to make it about this. This Your secret place is your conversations with God and where your heart is and all those things we've talked about. But I, I do want to speak about, just quickly about the, the, the praying in tongues, because, you know, I, I was always weirded out by that. And, and for a lot, of, and a lot of people, like, uh, especially if you've never been exposed to it or whatever, a real quick story, a friend of mine, and I've told you this story of a friend of mine at work, good friend of mine. She came into my office one day and she was like, you know, uh, she's like, I, I was, I had my mom at the doctor's office and a, and, a, and a lady, we were having a conversation and we were there and da, da, da. And this lady started praying over me in, in this crazy language. And she's like, what did she do? Did she cast a spell on me or something? <laughs> and I was like, no and i had to explain it to her i was like she was praying in tongues i said she was you know being we call it pentecostal that's a word for one of the words for it but i had to explain it to her but it freaked her out mm-hmm. so i guess the one thing is i don't want people to be freaked out by pray, pray when when if if you're watching a sermon on youtube or there's a teaching or whatever and uh the People start praying in tongues. Don't don't be freaked out about it. That is a gift of the Holy Spirit. That is a gift that God gives us if we ask. I believe that anyone can have it if they ask God for it. Mm-hmm. And again, there's a there's a there's a probably tons and tons of YouTube videos out there from tons and tons of pastors and teachers and apostles and whoever on this topic. But if you really want to be uh, convinced that it's okay. I, I recommend people look up that Derek Prince video about it again. The, the guy 
who would, you would think would be the least Pentecostal person ever. Just by listening to him and watching him, the most boring, conservating, conservative-looking guy ever. The you know the stereotypical old-fashioned preacher, pastor, whatever minister, belting it out, praying in tongues in front of auditoriums full of people. Yep. And so it's nothing to be weird about. He actually walks you through. He has he has entire. Uh, sermons that they recorded from you know years and years and years ago when he was in his you know doing his thing about it. So if you want to learn more about that, and of course you can read about it in scripture, but and that's you know that that's where to start. But don't be weirded out by it and check. I encourage you to check it out, Derek Prince's teachings about it. And that'll that's what put me a lot more at ease about it. And that was the prayer that led me to receive the 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 gifts of 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 praying in tongues. First mm -hmm. Corinthians fourteen. Um, it's it it you know it's more than just a Pentecostal thing. It's a First Corinthians fourteen thing. It's right. a, it's a biblical thing. Right. And, and I don't recommend just reading it once. Read it two or three times. It's mm -hmm. not that long, and it explains in great detail the difference between speaking in tongues and praying in tongues for one thing, which right. is different. Mm -hmm. um, it is something that can be improperly used just like anything else. Yep. And because if you, if you're doing it in the secret place, fantastic. I mean, Paul even says that, you know, you, when you speak in tongues, you're, you're edifying yourself. You're, you're helping yourself when you pray in tongues. When you, but if you know if you're doing it just to be heard, mm. that's no good. Right. Same with prophecy. You know, right. if you're just prophesying just to be heard, forget it. Right. But anyway, enough of that. Just just know that it's it, it can be misused, but so can prophecy, so can knowledge, so can healing. Every, everything can be misused and abused. Mm -hmm. Okay. Doesn't negate it. Right. And just because your denomination doesn't teach on it or your pastor doesn't teach on it, doesn't mean it's not in the Bible. First Corinthians 14. I mean, right. yeah. And, and the key about it is, and the, ring is, the reason I bring it up is, is be, the, the, the reason that we pray in tongues, and this is scriptural. Phil can, Phil can educate us on this a little bit real quick, is because when we don't know what to say or how to pray in a situation that's the purpose the praying in tongues is our spirit connecting directly with the holy spirit amen yep and so phil phil could probably elaborate more about this scripturally and and uh but but because it, it's basically the 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 groanings and utterings of the of your spirit when you don't know how to what to say or how to pray that's yeah. that's my paraphrasing <laughs> yeah well, that's good i mean that's romans chapter 8 says that that you know when you don't know what to say the holy spirit will utter it for you which is right. basically praying in tongues mm -hmm. i mean he didn't say it overtly in in romans 8 as he did in first corinthians 14 but that's what he's saying and that's what it is and yeah it, I, I highly recommend finding like a derek prince or there's several videos that will explain to you what to do but the, you're right, Chad. And the main thing is you've got to ask and God will provide. 
Right. You know, no one who asks for, asks their parents for an egg is going to get a scorpion instead. I can't remember exactly in Matthew where that said, but um, that's what Jesus said. You know, when you ask God for something, he's going to give it to you if you're asking with the right motives. Right. And if you want to do that, you want to understand that. Again, don't wait for him to come to you and say, hey, Phil, you ready to start speaking in tongues? No. Go to God and say, God, I've been hearing about this. I want to know about this. And don't fight it. When, I mean, you, you can feel it. And it, it, for me, it's like I hear the, the words and I just repeat what I hear in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I have no idea what it means or what I'm saying or if it's even a language. But the right. Holy Spirit knows. Right. That's right. Yep. And, you know, the other thing you'll notice is neither Phil or I demonstrated that here. Right. I mean, there's no need to. It's a That's right thing. Right. It, the, um, exactly. Yes, it's a private thing. Unless God, unless God leads you to do it, yeah, in in, in front of other people, it's and a that's pri- for a different purpose altogether, right? That's the Pentecostal part there, right? You know what I mean? Um, because yep. that is the gift of speaking in tongues, which is to speak the gospel in a language that you do not know, right? But praying in tongues is a private thing. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And that's why I brought it up because yeah. that it's it's for people or situations where you you're you're you need God, but you don't know even how to uh verbalize your prayers or think, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Yep. Well, it's been a great conversation. Yeah, I was just about to say, man, we've been going for forty minutes now. So, right. Yeah. Well, we went an hour last week, but we we <laughs> you know, we had to explain, you know, like when you brought up there that, you know, what you know, don't you know who would uh, if their child was asking for an egg, we give him a, you know, a scorpion a instead, or a snake, yeah. or snor- scorpion. You know, we well, last week we were explaining the whole thing about Robert and his twisted family of. You know, his wife and his son are Georgia Bulldogs fans, and Robert's an Ohio State Buckeyes fan. And we, we, we had to explain all that because, it you know, that was a perfect, you know, discussion about that whole scripture and what Jesus meant. Yeah, and all that. yeah. But- <laughs> that's probably why Robert's out tonight, because Nick Chubb got hurt on Monday. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like his wife and son are probably, you know, but they're not Browns fans. See, now that's the odd thing. Yeah, Nick Chubb is a Brown played for the Browns, yeah. and Roberts Roberts a big Cleveland Browns fan. Like Robert and Phil, they're both Browns fans, and uh, you know, so yeah. I don't know what you're talking about, Browns fan, but um, I mean, why would you say that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe, yeah, maybe Robertson mourning because they lost to the Steelers, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't even care anymore. I don't watch anymore. You know, that's something that we should talk about sometime. We mentioned a little bit about identity tonight, and I used to, like a lot of people, part of my identity was in the Cleveland Browns, mm. and that's why I was let down so much. <laughs> <laughs> Factory of sadness, <laughs> <laughs> pit of despair. But anyway, well, be, um, yeah, that, 
That'd be a great uplift topic. Yeah, yeah. And that's also what my third book is about is identity and um the one main character trying to find her identity. I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody, but um and then the other character helping her how he found his identity and if it, this book is more about me than the other two books have been, that's for sure. It's about you know, I said I had an identity crisis and um, so that this third book that's coming out will be a lot about my story. Okay. Well, you don't have that crisis anymore, do you? No, I don't. No. Praise God, I don't. I, you know, but I'm human every once in a while. I'll slip up and I have to stop myself and say, Lord, forgive me. And I started falling back into the old ways. Mm. Yeah, we're human. We make mistakes. Pastors are people too. Absolutely. That's my slogan. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Chad. Well, it's been great. Yeah, it was great. Good discussion. Yep, absolutely. Thanks for joining in, everybody. And hopefully the three of us will be back again next week. But uh, let's see, next week. Yeah, I think so. I don't yeah, think we got anything going on. We should be here. Yeah, the week after that, it might not be, but... Um, We'll see you about next week. Yep. All One right. week at a time. Yep. That's right. All right, everybody. Good night. Good night.